Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Well, good evening and welcome to Crowd Church. My name is Matt Edmondson. It is great that you could join us. Yes, it is. Uh, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing right now, whether you're watching this on the live stream, uh, whether you're watching this on Catch Up, it is great to see you. It's great to be with you. Uh, as we talk about the environment today, yes, we are. Let me just move that slightly. There we go. Uh, we are talking about all things environment. And let me tell you, when we scheduled to do this talk today, um, honestly, we had no idea about COP26. It was like, I appreciate from the outside, it looks like we planned it this way. Uh, and I wish, I wish we could take the credit for that. <laughs> but it's one of those God incidents things, you know, where you kind of like you do it, you schedule it in, and it just seems to work, which is absolutely fantastic. So. Uh, it's great that you could be with us to talk about the environment. If you are watching live, feel free to say hi in the comments. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I know a few of you will be watching this on Catch Up just because the Liverpool game is on uh, and you're watching that right now. So that's OK. Uh, but uh, if you are watching live, just say hi in the comments. Uh, Sharon's in there. Hey, Sharon. Matt uh, is actually ducking out a little bit early uh, in the comments, he says. So, uh Thanks for coming on and telling us you were going to take out a little bit early. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let me tell you what is going on uh, in today's live stream. Uh, as you can see at the top uh, of the screen here, we have, well, actually goes that way, doesn't it? We have the four items. Uh, we start off with just this sort of little welcome, which we're doing right now. Uh, and then we're going to go into the talk, which is done by the beautifully talented uh, and just all around beautiful lady, which is Ellie Light, uh, talking about the environment. I've actually heard the talk. I heard it earlier for the first time and I was blown away. Uh, I was genuinely blown away. I thought she did such a cracking job on that. Um, then we're going to go into a brief time of worship and reflection after the talk. And then we are going to go into Conversation Street, where we get to talk a little bit more about the talk. Uh, hi, Tracy. Just noticed you in the comments. Sorry. Hello. Hello, I like the little wavy hand. Hello. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, it's great to see you again. Um, so, yes, <laughs> uh, that is the uh, outline for today, right? So we've got the talk, we're going to do a little bit of worship and reflection, and then we're going to get into Conversation Street where we talk about the talk. In effect, uh, we are going to get into what Ellie says, what it means. Uh, and if you've got any questions as the talk is going on, why not put them in the comments? I know some of you have sent questions in already. Uh, it seems to be the trends these days. Uh, questions do get sent in to us um, uh, ahead of time, which is nice. Uh, I'd like to say we we prepare well for them, and we do. Uh, so, you know, you can ask your questions in the comments. Or if you like to prepare ahead of time and, and, and you know what's coming up, uh, by all means, send your questions in. Next week, actually, let me just tell you what is coming up next week so you know. Uh, it's Remembrance Sunday. So we've got Remembrance Sunday next week. Uh, Anna will be with me 
leading Remembrance Sunday. Uh, so yeah, it'll be myself and Anna hosting that next week, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Rach was supposed to be with me tonight, uh, and I don't know where Rach is. Rach is just uh, MIA. Uh, she's not actually, that's entirely wrong, but she just can't be with us tonight. Um, so yes, uh, you're stuck with me, which, which is fine. We'll do well. We'll enjoy it. So what we're going to do is we are going to play the talk. Now, for those of you who are new to the live stream, big warm welcome. Um, we are a digital church, an online church. For those that might not see the point of church, uh, for those that are maybe new to the Christian faith, who are on a journey, or even, you know, if you're like me, you've been around a while. Uh, wherever you are on the Christian journey, wherever you are on that faith journey, you are very, very welcome here. Uh, and you can ask questions uh, at any point during the live stream. Uh, no question is too crazy, as we like to say, but not every question will be answered on the live stream, if you know what I mean. Uh, so <laughs> you can reach us uh, and connect with us via the website, which you can see in the corner of the screen right here, uh, www.crowd.church. Uh, there's some information on the website. And whilst we're talking about websites, let me tell you, uh, we've got a new website coming out soon. So we've been working heavily on that, which is why the current website's not as updated as uh, maybe we should be doing it at the moment. So please bear with us. A new website is coming soon. It's starting to look really good. Uh, and um, it's got a lot more information on there, which will be a lot more helpful, like upcoming events. And and, and all, you'll see, you'll see. Uh, just stay connected with us and you'll see when the new uh, site comes out. You can also reach us via WhatsApp. So the WhatsApp number on the screen uh, is our church WhatsApp number. You can reach us via that number. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, we have had a number of people uh, WhatsApp us this week and get in touch, uh, and it was great to connect with all of you. If any of you are watching the live, I do invite everybody that WhatsApps us to join us on the live stream. If any of you are watching, it's great uh, to sit, well, kind of see you. You can see me through the camera, um, but it was great to talk to you, great to chat with you this week, um, and connect with all kinds of amazingly new people, which is fantastic. Uh, so without further ado, we will get into the talk. Brief intro on what we're doing on this current series. We're doing a series called What Does the Bible Say About? Where we have taken the most common questions that are asked on Google. What does the Bible say about science? For example, we did a few weeks ago with Will Sotwith, which was an excellent talk. And if you have not seen it, definitely check it out. Uh, and that's why we're tackling today. What does the Bible say about the environment? So these are the questions placed to Google. They're also sent in to us. We get asked an awful lot of questions uh, every week, either via email or via the WhatsApp. Um, and so we've started to collate those questions as well. Uh, and we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff uh, around the questions that you do send in. So it's great that you send them in. It's great that we can answer your questions. Uh, like, what does the Bible say about the environment? So here we are. Here uh, is an intro to the, the talk. And then uh, it will be Ellie. And then I'll be back. Uh, briefly after Ellie has finished speaking. So here we go. Thank you. 
does the Bible say about the environment? So I am pretty sure that my generation were amongst the first to be taught in school about climate change and about the state of our environment, that it's something that needs looking after. Um, I remember very clearly learning about reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, we were taught about the ozone layer and I can remember I can picture this great dome above the earth that had loads of holes in it and those holes meant that the earth was heating up, that was going to melt the ice caps, the penguins would lose their homes, but that was about it. Maybe there'd be more water in the sea. I couldn't comprehend what that actually meant. Obviously, 10, 15 years down the line, since my primary education, um, we've all been witness to the extreme weather conditions that have come as a consequence of this climate crisis. Um, we've seen floods and droughts and forest fires um, and extreme temperatures uproot people's lives um, and even take their lives. You know, it's, we're constantly reminded of it, whether it's in the news, or there's activists doing crazy things like gluing themselves to the M25. Um, we're constantly reminded of how important this is as a topic. Um, by the time that you guys are listening to this, we'll have had the COP26 climate conference um, up in Glasgow. Um, and we'll either have a really super positive response to that where the government has made great big promises, big plans, and we're all filled with hope and positivity around this whole situation, or potentially more realistically, based on previous examples of that, that kind of conference, um, we might be feeling a little disappointed that the government aren't doing quite enough, that these promises won't be fulfilled. Um, so we might be feeling a bit a bit down. Um, but anyway, believe it or not, I'm actually not actually here to um, depress us further on this topic. Um, though I am really aware that this is something that comes with a lot of weight, a lot of anxiety to it. I know that personally I've spent many sleepless nights um, thinking about where we're going in terms of our climate. Um, sort of sometimes feel like we are um, accelerating towards for want of a better word, destruction, um, and that it's fairly unstoppable and impossible. Um, but when we come to an impossible situation, um, it brings us really nicely to looking back to God, um, because thankfully our God is a God of miracles and restoration and hope. So let's look to God in this. Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look at what God says. Let's see how he can change our hearts so that we can change our actions. So how does the Bible describe the environment? Um, like I've just said, I think it's really important that we understand how the Bible talks about um, the environment. It's so important to understand what God's purpose for it is, um, the reasons he brought it into being. Um, and the reason I want to start with that is because if we can understand the why, if we can understand the heart of this as a topic, then we'll be inspired to make change. Um, but if we're kind of doing, if we're doing this out of a, a should or a must, or someone's taught even me telling you to do it, um, it's not going to create sustainable action and sustainable change. So have that in the back of your mind as we're going through this. Think about what what sits well with you, what doesn't, what creates an emotional response, what doesn't. Just keep that in the back of your mind because I think that's going to be how we unlock this topic. Um, so let's get to it. Overall, how the Bible describes the environment, describes creation, 
is that it is good. It's good. So in the first chapter of the Bible, God says this seven times. First chapter of Genesis, um, seven times. Yeah, so it's pretty constant. It's pretty much God makes something and he sees that it's good. He makes it, he sees that it's good. He makes it, he sees that it's good. He says that seven times. We get to the end of the chapter and God sees all of it. It says God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Um, this is a really poetic start to the love story of the Bible and it begins with the goodness of creation and we see that throughout the whole Bible and you know it's into the New Testament as well 1 Timothy 4 4 for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received through thanksgiving so great good creation is good that's a that's a good starting point um another significant theme around um, the environment and creation of how it's described in the Bible is this idea that nature reflects God's character. In the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to the Romans and he puts it quite bluntly, as Paul often does. He says, um, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. That's Romans 1.20. Basically saying you don't have an excuse if you've never heard of Jesus, you've never heard of God because God is oozing from the world around us. He is in everything. His divine nature, his eternal power is in everything that's around us. That in itself is evangelism. Same again, if we look at Psalm 19.1.4, the heavens declare the glory of God The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Um, This passage is also showing us the beginning of the idea that um, not only does creation reflect God's nature, um, but it has a spirit of its own. You know, it's it's even something really simple Paul says again back in Romans um, about all of creation groaning um, with the pains of childbirth. Um, you know, creation groans and pre- creation kind of um, celebrates God. How can it do that if it's not alive, if it's not in relationship with God? Um, this is backed up again in Psalms. Um, Psalm 96 shows us that creation is alive and lives in adoration of its creator. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy, they will sing before the Lord. Um, We're gonna jump to Job now, which is a a potentially slightly heavier part of the Bible. Um, But Job 38, there, is an incredibly powerful account of God justifying who he is to Job. Um, He wants Job to know his divinity, his majesty, his holiness, his otherness to us. Um, And he does that by talking about his creation. Um, I won't read all of it because it's quite long, Um, but do go to it again if you want to read it on because it's beautiful. Um, So I'm going to start at verse four. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. 
Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when, it's burst, when it burst forth from the womb? When I, made clouds it, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Jumping to 16. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the deep, rest, deep recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of the death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? This is jumping to 22. Or seen the storehouses of the hail, which are reserved for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? That bit is particularly interesting because it's talking about God watering a place where man doesn't even live. So it shows his real care for creation apart from humans um but i really love these chapters and it goes on i really would encourage you to go and look at it um that's job 38 and onwards um yeah because these chapters just begin to capture the vastness of god and does that through a description of creation um because he is so beyond our comprehension you know that that bit about um marking off its dimensions <laughs> the dimensions of the universe incredible he's is enormous um so as well as the vastness of god it shows us that he is in control that he's orchestrating this whole thing that he has ownership of it psalm 24 says the earth is god's and everything in it um so god is this passionate artist who is full of love and pride for his work. He knows every inch of it inside and out, which again becomes way more evident if you read um, 38, 39, 40 of Job. It's really great. Um, so we know that he is in control, that he is reflected in his nature. Um, and to top it all off, also in the Bible, in the Gospels, um, we learn that all of creation has been made through Christ Jesus as well he was there in the beginning of it all in John 1 and also referenced in Colossians and and so on there's um it says that everything was made through him through Jesus um all things were made through him and by him and for him so that just kind of emphasizes again how important creation is how important the environment is that this world is really really important to God that he loves it and yet he entrusts it to us. Um, so what does the Bible say about the stewardship of the environment? Genesis 1, 26, 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So everything that we've learned about creation and the environment, the, the beauty of it, the love behind it, the significance of it to God, 
um, and the fact that it is the one thing that people who don't know God and will find God in no other way can look at look at the environment and find God in it um, and tending to that environment looking after it and making sure that it continues to be that has been entrusted to us that's that's our job that's our job now um and that is a really really big deal um a really huge deal actually um and beyond that i just want to touch on one more element of this before unpacking that stewardship just a little bit more is the area of all this that is potentially quite again quite heavy and quite hard to come face to face with um and that is the death toll of the climate crisis um so we know that this is important to us to look after because god's told us that in genesis um we hear all about why um why it's important to god and therefore why it should be important to us but a huge part of this is the human impact that it has um and i don't want to say this because i want us to feel guilty um, but I want to say this because it's really easy for us to forget it because here in the UK we live in a really privileged position of the climate crisis not really knocking on our door in the same way. Obviously we've had floods and heat waves that have affected crops um, and people's homes have been flooded and people's lives have been uprooted and there's, I don't want to dismiss that but comparatively across the globe we have not had the same impact that is is elsewhere um and god calls us to look at the last the least and the lost and we are not the last and the least in this situation um so to put give this some context with some numbers um a study published earlier this year linked nearly 10 percent that's 9.6 percent and nearly 10 percent of all deaths globally since 2000 have been linked to our changing climate. Um, that's quite significant, 10%. Um, and annually that works out at around 5 million deaths per year. Um, and when that's broken down into areas of the world impacted, of those 5 million, only 50,000 of those are in the UK. Um, 2.6 million of them are in Asia. Uh, 1.5 million in Africa and obviously you have to take into, into account the population differences of the UK and all of Asia um, but even Australia which has half the population of us has three times the uh, death toll that we do related to climate crisis here in the UK um, so this isn't going to be something that hits us often in the UK right now and it is the people that we don't see who are being affected by this. Um, and so it's really important to remind us that this is not an abstract concept that is coming in the future and will affect our children and our children's children. It is killing people um, right now and it won't be the rich who pay for it. It won't be the privileged who pay for it. It will be the last, the least and the lost. Um, and Jesus calls for us to do something about that. Um, so what, as what I mentioned earlier, the importance of, um, our emotional response to this, I just want us to take a little moment, um, let's look at how we're feeling, <laughs> um, 
if this is uh, making you feel overwhelmed or guilty or afraid or hopeless or a bit paralyzed the paralyzing thing is the thing that really gets me um kind of when it all feels so big and so unstoppable um it's really easy to just kind of block it all out and again because we can do that in the uk we can go day to day without having to think about it um when yeah when we get to those moments where we are so overwhelmed by the magnitude of this that's when it's great to come back to god um, to be reminded of what we said before, that he is a God of miracles and restoration and hope. Um, and he is the powerful creator and orchestral conductor of the environment. Um, and he is in control. And when it comes to life-changing, world-saving plans, um, he's quite good at those. And he does them in really unexpected ways. You know, when our world was drowning in sin, he didn't send... A leader, a big world leader who made loads of big changes and punished the bad guys and looked after the good guys. He sent a baby. Um, he became a baby. Um, and he put that baby in the hands of humans. So my point is, God works really unexpectedly and, and he uses us um, in these impossible situations. So that's something we can have hope for, you know, in this impossible situation. Um, so our response then, this, this role of stewardship, this role of looking after um, this world we've been given to love um, and protect those living in it as well. Um, I think our response, response should be twofold. I think we need to um, take action and also have hope. And I think both of those things start with prayer. Um, with looking at the Bible, with meditating on reading over and over those passages that we've just looked at, the ones that reflect God's glory, reflect um, the love story of creation um, and tell us why this is, this is a, a heart issue um, and ask God to move our hearts and to remind us daily that this is something that we can do something about to pray for hope and tenacity to keep going at this um but it does take it takes us and god working together action and hope to make a change here i'm also aware i've not given um practical actionable tips um so far and i don't particularly want to um not least because there are people who are far more qualified than me who've made wonderful lists of ways you can make a difference in your life. Um, and if you just do a bit of Googling, if you look at Oxfam, Tear Fund, Greenpeace, there are so many websites with great, great examples of what you can do, what changes you can make. Um, but the one tip I will give is to say, not necessarily start small, but start manageable. Um, if you can take what you take what you know you can take on if that's just the smallest thing great once you've got that then what's the next thing you can bring into your life what's the next lifestyle change you can make and the next bit and the next bit but constantly throughout that process it has to come back to God it has to come back to that heart um, motivation for this because 
you're not gonna, these changes in our lives will probably be inconvenient at times, you know, washing your recycling takes time. <laughs> um, but we're only gonna wanna do them if we understand why we want to do them. Um, and there is one little catchphrase that I'm gonna leave you with um, that someone said to me a little while ago in relation to something else, but it's applicable in lots of areas of your life, including this one. Um, and that is that something is better than nothing and more is better than less. So just do something. Something is better than nothing. And more of that is better than less. So make a start and pray and have the right motivation. And if you don't care about any of this at all, let's look at why. Like, are you switched off to this? Why? Why are you switched off to this? Maybe you need to read some um, personal accounts of the impact of climate change to, to stir your heart a little bit. Um, yeah, hopefully that's given you all something to think about, something to talk about, something to pray about. Um, thank you for listening. Wow, that was an abrupt end, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> uh, what a great talk that was by Ellie. And it's the first time Ellie's talked to crowd, and uh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and there were very real reasons, I think, why Ellie was chosen to do the talk as you came across. And so I want to get into all of this because right at the start of the talk, Ellie said that she learned from school and she was of a generation where this was taught and I wasn't. And so there's some really interesting stuff to get into. But before we do, we are going to go and have some, uh, well, we're going to have a time of worship and reflection. And this is the part of the live stream where we play uh, a Christian hymn that might be an old hymn or a modern hymn it's a bit more modern this one uh, and if you want to you can sing along if it's safe to do so uh, and uh, engage in the worship uh, alternatively uh, just let the words uh, if you're not used to singing just read the words just think about them let the ministry think about Ellie's talk uh, and whilst this is going on uh, if you if you also want to write down your response to Ellie's talk in the comments would love to know what your takeaway was from that talk uh, and we're going to get into that and the questions uh, that have come up and the questions that have been sent in in Conversation Street. But first, we're going to play the song. It's called The Lion and the Lamb, which sounds like a bit of an odd title for a song, doesn't it? Uh, if you're not used to church, if you've never been to church before, it's like, why are we singing about two animals? Um, and so let me explain. There's a very good reason. Just quickly, the lion and the lamb refers to Jesus uh, in sort of two different ways. It, that Jesus was both the lion, the king. Uh, he's the king of the universe. And Ellie talked about how he's part of creation and nothing that was created on, on this in this universe was not created without him. So he's the lion. He's the king. Uh, but, uh, but the song talks about him being a lamb and scripture talks about Christ being a lamb, uh, which talks more about the sacrifice of Christ and the fact that Christ died for us. Uh, and how it used to be that you would sacrifice a lamb on your behalf to take upon its uh, to take the punishment upon it of the sin, uh, but Christ died once and for all and took upon Himself our sin. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the lamb. And so, uh, yeah, you'll see the song sort of contrasting these two ideas uh, as it goes along. So we're going to play that song. Now it's called The Lion and the Lamb. After that song, we'll be back with Conversation Street. So uh, enjoy this song uh, and I'll be back in just a few minutes time.
is coming on the clouds Kings and kingdoms will bow down Every chain will break As broken hearts declare His praise For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion The Lion of Judah He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. And every knee will bow before Him Open up the gates Make way before the King of Kings The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah He's roaring with power and fighting our battles Every knee will bow before Him Our God is the Lamb the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Oh, every knee will bow before Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him Our God is the Lamb The Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world His blood breaks the chains And every knee will bow before The Lion and the Lamb Oh, every knee will bow before
Well, very good. And uh, sorry, <laughs> just something flagged up on my computer there. I'm not quite sure what that was. Anyway, let's uh, carry on with this. Let's have a look at what's going on. So Conversation Street, let's get into this, shall we? So we've had some questions come in. Uh, Sharon's put a question in there, which is great. Uh, there's some stuff which came out of Ellie's talk, which I want to just touch on. And then I've got a, a whole bunch of questions here for Conversation Street. So um, ordinarily, I would have a wingman or a wingwoman at this stage as we go through them. Uh, so what I need you to do if you're on the live stream is just join in with me on the comments and let you know, uh, let me know what you think to these questions. So Sharon says here, uh, Ellie did a, in fact, I think I can put this, this is one from the comments. Uh, is that working? No, it's not coming up. Okay, let's not panic about that. Publish. There we go. Now it's working. Awesome. So Ellie did a great job uh, talking about the creation of the world and about how we are responsible for looking after it. My question is, what does the Bible say about the future of the earth? Uh, and I'm also wondering what things people do already to help look after the world. Okay, well, there's, there's some loaded questions right there, isn't there? So um, what does the Bible say about the future of the earth? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because ultimately the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and God's just going to redo the whole thing. Uh, and Dan actually touched on this in his uh, when he kicked off the what does the Bible say about series when he talked about what does the Bible say about the afterlife? He touched on that topic there. Um, oops, Daisy, about there being a new heaven and a new earth. And so God is just going to recreate everything. But does that mean that we have a license to basically do whatever we like on the earth now? I don't think it does at all. And I think uh, actually you can the only conclusion you can come away with from Ellie's talk is actually we've got some responsibility and we've got some stewardship uh, issues going on here. And um one of the things, uh, well, one of the questions we have here um, is what is the role of Christians in environmental activism? And it's a bit like uh, Sharon's saying here, I'm wondering what things people do already to help look after the world. What is the role of Christians in environmental activism? That's such a great question, isn't it? Should we, should we partake in activism? I think we should. And I know that the people from Tear Fund and Christian Aid are doing a great job at the moment with COP26. And there's all kinds of things going on behind the scenes, which is fantastic um, because we should steward the planet. And I think we should actually we should encourage people to steward this planet. Well, I think for me, the thing that it comes down to uh, is this. I think it's good to encourage people to steward the planet well, and we should. Um, but I don't think we we do that independent of the gospel. Now, what I mean by this is, if you're new to the, the if you're new to churches, I think for me, environmental activism and the good news, the gospel, go hand in hand. They're not two separate things, um, and they go hand in hand. And just as God can restore the world, and He can restore humanity, uh, and I think we need both. Um, but I think Christians should be involved in environmental activism in whatever that is and what that looks like. I don't think that means we have to tie ourselves to motorway bridges uh, or freeway bridges if you're outside of the UK. Um, but I, I do think it means that we have to be proactive uh, in in environmental issues. Now, I'm saying this as a bit of a Luddite, as someone who has had to undo a lot of preconceived ideas and assumptions that I had growing up. 
right? So I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Um, and, you know, f- there's one phrase you would use to describe the 80s. It would be consumerism, wouldn't it? I mean, it's not really got that any better, to be fair. But it was like, you know, everything was sick and we just didn't care. But what was interesting was in the 1980s, in the late 1970s and 1980s, the fair trade movement started by Christians, again, actually by Christian charities um, like Christian Aid, uh, Tear Fund, um, and a few others sort of coming together. Um, Tradecraft, uh, I was on the board for Tradecraft, and they came together and they started the fair trade movement because they realized actually this consumerism, this insatiable need that the West had for goods and services was actually causing a lot of damage uh, in third world countries. And a lot of people were being treated unfairly because they weren't getting what they needed, right? They, 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 they were just, we wanted, we wanted low prices. That meant the guy that was farming stuff in Africa, basically, he got nothing. Uh, and we didn't know about it in the UK, nor did we care. We kind of have our blinkers on, don't we? And it's like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We, fast fashion, I think, is another, another massive problem that we have to tackle um, as people and as a community. And I, I'm saying this not as someone who understands everything. You understand. I'm saying this as somebody who's going, actually, there are consequences. And Ellie touched on this, the amount of deaths that are happening because of environmental change. So the fair trade movement grew out the 70s and 80s. And, and we've expanded that as well to actually be now we need to care about people and we need to care about the planet. And so now we see things like B Corp is absolutely taking off, which is a certification that companies get uh, when they are doing things fairly for people and fairly for the planet and their profits take into account both people and planet. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really excited by that. So, and a lot of this, I'm not saying all of it, a lot of this is happening because of Christian environmental activism. Fair trade was started because of Christian activism and going, there's something wrong. We need to do something different uh, and and getting involved with that. So I, I really like that. Um, so I hope that answers the question. Just going back to Sharon's question, what things do people do already to help look after the world? Uh, that's that's a really interesting question, isn't it? So for me, I'm trying, you try all the simple things, don't you? Like turn the heating down a notch, wear an extra jumper, you know, because I think that has a big impact, Less uh, using less plastic. One of the companies that I run, I've just, we've just halted actually um, a, a big production of, uh, of, of recycled plastic uh, because we just, we want to assess the environmental impact a little bit more and a little bit better. So I think it's, um, we, we're all doing stuff. And I like what Ellie said at the end there. Let's do what we can do and do more of that and increase a little bit of a time. Uh, I think that's really important. So um, what else have we got going in here? Uh, what does the Bible say about stewardship of the environment? Well, Ellie touched on that. So you can definitely go back and have a look at that. She, she covered stewardship. I think fundamentally, one of the things that I took away from Ellie's talk when God created the world, the first job he gave to man, he created man, he created Adam. There's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The first thing he tells him to do is to steward the planet. He's like, you've got to take care of this, bud. Here's a planet, rule over it, subdue it. All these fancy words basically can mean steward it. Look after it well. And I have to be honest, like Sharon said in the comments, I'm not sure we've been doing a particularly good job. Uh, and so 
Um, from someone who grew up in a decade where we never talked about the environment, I, I just just didn't as a kid. It never occurred to us. I think we, you know, it, it's good that changes are happening. That's the that's but what's James put here? Check out faceforchange.org.uk. Let me put that on there. I've not checked that website, James. So I'm guessing that is. Um, I'm guessing that is uh, a website around it, um, around this kind of stuff, I'm guessing. Uh, so if you want to know more, check out that website. Um, uh, Sharon says, we've made a lot of little changes at home, but we have a long way to go. Yeah. Do you remember the Starfish uh, story? And um, there's a book actually called Starfish. Um, I feel a little bit like that guy, you know, and he's, he's sort of, there's a guy walking down to the beach and he sees on the beach there's thousands of starfish who will die because they're out of the water. And there's a young lad who is picking them up and throwing them back into the sea. And the young, and the chap goes to the young guy, he's going, why are you doing that? Because there are thousands of these starfish. You, you can't get them all back in the ocean. And really, you're only going to get one or two. And the young lad said, well, I'm making a difference to the one or two. Uh, and I think it's very much that attitude. It's like the problem is great and colossal. And it's good the world leaders are meeting in COP26. It's good we're having open discussions. Yes, I think they could do more. But I'm very keen that we don't, don't go down the political uh, agenda too much in a church podcast, uh, podcast live stream. <laughs> so it's great that they're meeting. Yes, they could do more. Um, but we can't leave it up to just the government. I think a lot of this comes down to being like that little lad on the beach, all doing a little bit, a little bit. Are we, another question, are we just fooling ourselves? Have we been conned by uh, by governments, by people, and there's no such thing as environmental issues? The environmental issues we're facing are just natural changes anyway, because we can track natural changes in the environment. I don't know is the honest answer. I don't know if we stop producing plastic and oil and all that sort of stuff today, if we stop the deforestation, if we reduce the minge, all the things that scientists tell us to, I don't know what would happen to the planet. In some respects, personally, I don't, I don't think that's the, the big question. The big question for us as Christians is, are we stewarding the resources that God has given us well? And I don't think we are. I think we are over-consuming. Uh, and I think the knock-on effect, and, and let's remember this, because this for me is one of the key points that Ellie was talking about. The knock-on effect of this is that there are millions of people who die as a result. People's lives are very at, at a very real risk on decisions that we make, certainly in the West. And we don't, like Ellie said, we don't tend to feel it as much in the UK. We just don't. We don't. We don't. In fact, you know, you often hear comments like actually global warming is going to be good for the UK because at least it'll be a little bit warmer, right? And we can joke about it, but the consequences we don't feel, but other people around the world do. And I think we have to think about others. I think we have to steward our resources, our planet. Well, we have to give an account before God of what we've done. So I hope that answers that question. How can I make my faith more environmentally friendly in my everyday life? That's a really good question. I think, again, it just comes down to stewarding. Are we stewarding what God has done, uh, what Ellie said and what Sharon said here in the comments about making lots of little changes about just the desire to do better uh, and improve? Uh, Nicholas said, I can't do much but recycle as much as I can. Uh, so I try and fix things instead of rushing out to buy new things. That's a great one right there, Nicola. 
Um, that's a great one right there. Um, I, I I totally agree. Uh, fixing I mean, these are practical things, aren't they? I mean, share your practical tips on on you know being environmental and not using plastic and and, and all this sort of uh, stuff. Interestingly, I, I mean, I'm not involved in it anymore because uh, we sold the company, but. I, we were involved in a beauty business and actually one of the biggest problems that we have, I think, is a beauty industry. Personally, just with the sheer amount of um, plastic they consume, it's, uh, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, what is some additional reading uh, that Christians can take on the environment? Uh, I'm going to defer back to James's website here, which I'll put back on there, uh, which is, um, let me get rid of this. Uh, you can see it better so check out that website have a look at that i'm sure that if james posted that that's going to start off some good conversations i would also look at websites like tear fund um i know they do some great stuff uh, around that and also christian aid um and uh, i think start there um and that will lead to they'll lead to the rabbit trails uh, let me tell you um what's your church doing uh where the environment is concerned that's a great question isn't it um what are we doing? Are we carbon neutral? Um, I suppose for me, uh, if I can be a little bit biased, one of the great things about digital churches, people aren't getting in cars to come and join it. Um, I mean, it's one of the downsides. You're not actually meeting with physical people. Um, but I think, yeah, the church that we're part of, the system that we're part of, uh, have some great environmental policies. And this is one of the interesting things, actually. More and more uh, people are wanting to see your environmental policy. And I think it's great. I almost wonder, I almost wonder, I don't know what you think. I'm just totally off the top of my head. Should you, or if you're part of a, uh, you know, if you're married with kids or whatever, sit down as a family or if it's just you, you don't need to be a business. What is your environmental policy? What do you feel like God is saying to you? You know, obviously you're not going to put it on a website like we have to do for, for the company, but just write it down. This is my environmental policy. This is what I am going to do. And I think I could do this. And then I'm going to review it uh, and try and get uh, get further along and make it better. I think that would be quite an interesting one. Um, what other questions? Why does this matter? Uh, I think Ellie answered that question quite well. Um, and actually, I thought it was quite interesting what she was saying. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Understanding the why that God creates the whole earth and he goes, this is great. This is very good. Now, mankind, look after it, steward it well, because this is beautiful. This speaks about me. This has got me all over it, and I've created this for you. Therefore, steward it well. I think that's a pretty good reason right there why it matters. It matters to God. And I think, again, just touching back on what Ellie said, it matters because people's lives. Uh, you know, paying fair prices for things, fair trade makes a difference. It does. It genuinely does. I'm not I'm, I think, you know, that you could argue that actually it causes some problems. I'm not saying it's a perfect system. I don't think there's a perfect system outside of God, really, because men are, men are involved and we screw things up royally at every level. Let's just be real. Right. Um, but I think there are better systems than doing nothing. And I think that's fair trade right there. Um, I think that's caring for the environment. I think that's uh, reducing your plastic amount. I think it's avoiding things like fast fashion personally. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's really helpful. Uh, Sharon says, oh, let me put this on here. So I sometimes look at goodonyou.eco. <laughs> uh, good on you. 
Uh, their reviews of which clothing companies treat people and the environment well. There you go. There's another resource you can use to check stuff out. Uh, thank you for that. I think that's great. Um, what does the Bible say about climate change? It's a really interesting question. I don't I actually don't. The, I don't know the answer. I, I can tell you that it tells us to steward what we have. Um, I'm sure there's cleverer people than me that will be able to answer that question. So I'm going to defer to them. And that may be something you just put into Google or look at sites like um, the sites they brought up, uh, Face for Change or um, Christian Aid, something like that. Uh, I'm sure maybe they've got a better answer. Um, I'm just going down your uh, questions here. Uh, five. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to do that question because I don't actually know the answer to it. Um, so thank you very much for your questions. Thanks for sending them in. Thanks for your comments. Um, I feel like uh, this is a very on-point topic. Um, and I think that as Christians, we should absolutely take the lead um, because we understand creation uh, and all of God's beauty and glory. Uh, we've done it in the past. We've done it in um, medicine. We've done it in science. And I think we should do it in environmental issues as well. I think, uh, I think, I think that's important. Um, but I also think that being militant about things probably, probably, you know, not necessarily how God will do it. How, how do we do this with joy and with peace and with righteousness and with love? That I think is probably a bigger, bigger question. Uh, so start with something manageable. I'm just going, I took pages of notes here, actually, from Ellie's little talk. Um, everything, at, at the end, let me just close with this. Everything comes back to God. And I think, for me, I have gone through various ways of thinking about the environment as more and more stuff has come up. Do you know what I mean? It's a conspiracy theory. Oh, it's real. Oh, it's a conspiracy. Do you know what I mean? And, I've, and I've, I've had to learn and unpick, like I say, a lot of thinking because I'm, I'm just of a different generation. But fundamentally, I think following today's talk, I've now heard it twice and going through these questions and the, and the comments and stuff like that, I feel like God's changed my heart a little bit on this. And I think, yes, I, I can do more. I really can and I should do more. Uh, and wherever I can, I, I should steward this properly uh, and steward it, steward this planet properly. So I think the takeaway from this is, what's God saying to you? Uh, the two big questions, what's God saying? What are you going to do about it? So have a think about that. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I really, I've got a lot out of it. Very practical, um, uh, very timely and very, very useful. Uh, and I think let's just pray for the world leaders because I think with COP26, that's quite important. So we're just going to close in prayer. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you that you created this planet. I want to thank you that you created uh, everything that we see and it was good. Lord, would you help us steward this planet properly? Would you speak to each of us about changes that we can and should make? And Lord, would you uh, bless our world leaders? Would you guide conversations? And would you help us all to make the changes that we need to make? In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us next week. As I said at the start of the live stream, we are going into Remembrance Sunday. So for those of you outside of the UK, Remembrance Sunday is Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Uh, different countries have different names for it. It's, uh, it's to 
Honor the memory and to remember those that have fallen and that have sacrificed and given their lives uh, in times of, well, in times of war and peace, really. So uh, do join us for Remembrance Sunday. It's going to be a little bit different as a service, um, and but we do do a Remembrance Sunday service, and we'll explain more about why we do it next week. So do come and join us for that. The week after that, we are jumping straight back into what does the Bible say about um and I'm desperately looking on my computer here to try and figure out which topic it's going to be. And I genuinely can't remember. Anyway, we're going to jump back into it. I know we've got James and Hannah coming on talking about what does the Bible say about money and work. I know we've got John Harding talking about what does the Bible say about relationships and marriage. So we have got some juicy topics, let me tell you, coming up. And you're not going to want to miss them. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, I see in the last 30 days, the subscriptions, um, our YouTube subscriptions have kind of slowly increased. Uh, but in the last 30 days, we've had hundreds of people subscribe, which has been phenomenal. So uh, it's great that you've done that. So make sure you subscribe so you can join us on the live stream, join in the conversation or watch us on catch up, as I know many of you do. That's it from me. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. It's been been a revelation i've loved it i've really properly enjoyed this one and i hope you have too we are going to close out with another worship song the live stream will end automatically uh, after this is finished so again either join in with the singing uh, or just think about the words uh, that's it from me we will see you next week have a great week god bless and bye for now Creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him, Hallelujah! Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. so strong ye clouds that sail in heaven long oh praise him hallelujah thou rising morning trees rejoice ye lights of evening find a
things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him, Hallelujah! Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.